It's the Save Democracy Podcast. I'm Steve Goldstein. What does election reform really look like? And how does it work in states other than Arizona? One person who's an expert in that area is John Updike. He is the president of the organization Open Primaries, which works with organizations and groups all across the country to help them figure out how to go forward with changing their primary system and what it might look like in their individual states. I spoke with Updike earlier and asked him to start off by explaining whether he has seen greater passion for reform now than in the other years he's been involved, which now totals a couple of decades. Oh yeah, it's like night and day. I mean, I I formed Open Primaries back in 2009. And at that point, it was a small brush fire. You know, there were little tiny things happening around the country um, that were all highly localized. There was no national narrative. Um, in, In fact, when I opened Open Primaries, uh, the leader of a national reform organization came to New York to meet with me to basically say, you shouldn't be doing this. This is a complete waste of time. It's irrelevant. Uh, you should focus more on other issues. Fast forward now, you know, almost 15 years after that, and me and my team are working with people in 19 different states on primary reform campaigns. They're at all different levels from very early preliminary to highly advanced. There's also an emerging effort. Bills were introduced just in the last 30 days to enact closed primaries in five states that currently have nonpartisan registration and open primaries. So an issue that 15 years ago was highly marginal, very obscure, has in some ways become center stage in the, the conflict, in the conversation about what's what's wrong with American politics, what's outdated with American politics. And a lot of people are looking at the primary system and they're saying there's two main problems with it. One, the fastest growing segment of voters in the country are independents and they're shut out. And that's just a kind of like a big picture problem with the current system. It wasn't designed with independent voters in mind. The second problem is we're seeing it in state legislators state legislatures and in Congress is that when you're elected in a system that gives partisan voters much more influence and much more domination, it really curtails your ability to function as an effective legislator. And a a growing number of legislators and policymakers and people that work inside governmental processes are saying closed primaries are like handcuffs on the policymaking process, on the legislative process. And so you put those two things together, bad government and exclusionary system, and it's it's contributing to just a, a tsunami of interest in, in changing it all over the country. How much of it is the actual voter deciding for him or herself, I, I don't like this. I don't like the gridlock or I don't like the nastiness or I don't like the fact that when I vote, I really have to hold my nose. So I guess how much of it is being driven by actual voter sentiment, how much is being driven at a a higher level that those who are involved in electoral politics are finding they are having a harder time getting things done because there are fewer people who are willing to be problem solvers? That's a really interesting question. And and I think if I was to give an honest answer, I, I would have to say it's both of what you're describing. Both of those things are happening. And there's a kind of a push and a pull because in some ways the voters are ahead 
of the political reform community in some ways. In other ways, the political reform community is way ahead of the voters. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you, if you actually talk to independent voters and you ask them, you say, why are you registering as an independent? Why aren't you joining a party? I mean, this is America, the home of the greatest two-party system in the world. Hmm. You'd think everybody would be lining up to be a Democrat or Republican, but it's the exact opposite. The voters are saying, we can't stand this. It's toxic. We can't stand how these parties, all they do is fight. They don't solve the problems of the country. They don't, they, they don't even solve basic problems of the country. They fight. They pit people against each other, and we don't want anything to do with that. And the fact that there is this mass migration of people leaving the political parties, the reform community hasn't caught up with that yet. I mean, if you read political science, it's like stuck in the 1950s when it comes to independent voters. On the same side, and I think you're pointing this out is really important, Voters are not familiar with the mechanics of elections. They just assume that every American who's a legal citizen and registered to vote can vote in every election because that's what you're taught in third grade. Yeah. The, 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 the level of disconnect between the, the average American and the rules of the game is big. It's a Grand Canyon. And we in the reform movement have a lot of work to do to educate and teach yeah. and, and, and partner and and. In, you know, engage with voters and say there's a way that we can improve the political system. How heavy a lift is it to get voters passionate about this issue? Because, you know, we often come back to the old saw, well, people have their everyday lives to lead. And those of us who are political junkies or really involved in the process have it in our heads all the time, whereas voters may just think about it in early voting states about three weeks before November. So how do you get it so people actually do feel that way and become passionate about it. And I guess going back to my first phrase, how heavy a lift is that? Well, I think it's both not a heavy lift at all and a very heavy lift. And let me try not to be so esoteric. See, I, I think the conventional wisdom that the American people don't care about democracy, they don't care about process, they care about gas prices and the cost of healthcare and you know the bread and butter issues, I think is a complete and utter distortion. My experience is, in fact, the exact opposite, which is I think the American people care about the core values of America, fairness, all people are created equal, a level playing field, a fair shake for everybody. My experience is that those values are embedded in the American people in profoundly deep ways. The challenge that we have is tapping into those values, uh, creating campaigns that give expression to those values, as opposed to highly technical, nerdy, technocratic campaigns that seek to kind of put in front of people a whole bunch of you know, apolitical, technocratic changes to the system. No, we have to connect with the values. The American people care that our system is not fair, that people don't have an equal voice. They want to change that. They're unhappy with that. They're deeply unhappy with that. But we have to get better at, at connecting to that in a way that's not elitist and exclusionary. 
I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to put this in the in that sort of context. People will talk about, okay, this particular NBA team has three guys who are 28 and two guys who are 26, but one of their stars is is almost over 30. So there's a there's a window, a small window for a championship. How small is the window for reform when it comes to our primary system, maybe our general election system as well, state by state? Or do you see this as just the window cracking open and the window's about to really bust open soon? I think that there is both a huge opportunity in the next two years. One of the consequences of January 6th is that the national media began to pay attention to the the rules of the primaries because they noticed that every Republican that voted to impeach Trump was from an open primary state. If they were from a closed primary state, they lost their next election. And they started saying, wow, it could be that, you know, the rules of the game determine a whole set of things. And we're we're starting to get national media in a way that was inconceivable even five years ago. And as I mentioned, there's there's literally 20 campaigns going on right now from from Arizona to Oregon to Rhode Island to Florida, you, you name it. People are working on this all over the country. So we have an opening. Um but I don't I don't think it's completely helpful to just think in terms of narrow time frames because um, this kind of transformation and this kind of change is going to require not just changing law, it's going to require changing culture. It's going to require candidates to campaign differently. It's going to require voters to participate differently. So even once we change the laws, that's just the beginning of the process, not the end of it. So I really, I really think we have to think short term and be aggressive and make, you know, let's go for broke between now and 2024 and also be prepared for what we're going to be doing over the next 50 years. Because transforming American democracy is, I wish, I wish it was as simple as changing a few laws. If that's all we had to do, this would be no problem. No, we have to recreate a political culture that right now is highly divisive, highly negative, and a lot of garbage. And that's going to take a huge amount of work that goes way beyond just passing a few laws to change how we do primaries. That is John Updike. He's president of Open Primaries. John, thanks for all the work you're doing for the time today. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Thanks again to my special guest, John Updike. He is president of Open Primaries, which we're holding an event on February the 27th. It's going to be co-sponsored by Save Democracy AZ, featuring Secretary of State Adrian Fontes. Music for today's podcast by Epidemic Sound. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Save Democracy podcast. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Please go online to savedemocracyaz.com. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening.